I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Obsessive-compulsive disorders, tics, anxiety, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and behaviors associated with autism spectrum disorders can be caused by a treatable autoimmune condition that's triggered by common infections. These conditions, known as PANDAS and PANS, can often be misdiagnosed and wrongly treated to the detriment of the children with the condition. We spoke to Craig Shimasaki. CEO of Molecular Labs, which has developed a diagnostic to determine if an individual's neurologic or psychiatric symptoms could be caused by an autoimmune dysfunction. Shimasaki discussed these conditions, what we know about them, and how the availability of a diagnostic is helping change the way these patients are understood and treated. Craig, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Danny. Good to be here. We're going to talk about pandas and pans, which are at once frightening and fascinating. What are pandas and the related pans? Yes. So unlike the um, East uh, marsupial bear, uh, this is actually an acronym for uh, a condition in children, and it stands for Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorder associated with streptococcal infection, and then PANS refers to a similar type but a broader-based syndrome, pediatric acute onset um, uh, neuropsychiatric syndrome. What what is the onset like, and what are the symptoms? In many of these cases, uh, it's almost like day and night, and um, a parent will recall a child was uh, normally functioning in the next morning or at this time of day, they became someone who they never knew. And uh, these symptoms can be so varied, and this is what makes it more complex, but they do comprise a lot of times of these obsessive compulsive disorders, and a lot of it can be fears or phobias aggression, rage, sometimes as simple as enuresis or starting to bed wet, um, handwriting, um, dysfunctions, uh, a whole host including motor and vocal tics, but any sort of uh, neuropsychiatric abnormality um, that, that is um, something uncharacteristic to these children. My sense is there hasn't been large population studies, but are, are these considered rare disorders or are they often mistaken for being rare diseases? Yeah, that's a good question, Danny. In fact, um, these can, these symptoms I described, people can relate to because they're really common. And uh, the term pandas and pans has probably only been coined about 20 years ago. So the perception is that it may be some kind of a rare um unusual disorder, but in reality, um, the numbers of children that make these up, we think, can be somewhere maybe to two to three million in the United States. And are, are these caused by a bacterial infection, or is it the immune system response to an infection that triggers the condition? Yes, and the answer is uh, both. Um, and so what we do know and what's been published 
about this function called molecular mimicry, um, where the body makes uh, an immune response against an infectious organism like bacteria or virus or parasite. However, in these individuals or children, um, their self-non-self-recognition allows these immune um, complexes or monoclonal antibodies that actually begin attacking the brain, um, and they cause these interruptions in their function. So they are triggered by infections. So it's called an infection-triggered autoimmune disorder. And um, it's like, think of it in the wartime, friendly fire, where we can't distinguish between the good guys and the bad guys, and we end up killing the good guys. Um, and when antibodies begin attacking brain proteins, they can produce these neuropsychiatric symptoms. And it's triggered by uh, an immune response. Is it believed to be happening in people with a genetic predisposition? Yes, and that's really one of the areas that are being studied now because there there's this combination of genetic susceptibility, and, and we see that in cancer and other types of conditions. But what happens is then there's the combination of some element of an infection, multiple infections, and then uh, as the body does not um, screen out these autoimmune antibodies, um, these condition will proceed and continue on, and then you'll start seeing these neurologic manifestations. The challenge really is that um, what happens is they get classified in many of these different categories, like in some cases, autism, ADD, ADHD, uh, bipolar, chronic depression, other forms of types of uh, conditions that are quote-unquote thought to be incurable, <clears throat> when in many of these cases, <clears throat> The underlying root cause is actually this autoimmune attack on the brain. Well, you mentioned this was a, a relatively new diagnosis, about 20 years old. How was it discovered, and, and how much of a problem is it getting doctors to recognize it when they see it? Yes. So uh, about 20 years ago, uh, Dr. Susan Sweeto at the National Institutes of Mental Health uh, had identified a cohort of children that about 50 uh, children who had sudden onset obsessive compulsive disorders, and they all had been preceded by a bout of strep infection. And uh, they did identify that these were sudden onset and that there was a relationship between the strep infection and these neuropsychiatric conditions. Fast forward to today, there's literally been hundreds and hundreds of publications describing um, different aspects about these conditions, um, the underlying root cause of it. And more and more has been in research. There's been more now in the clinical journals. So it is a challenge because not all physicians recognize it, but it, it is quite prevalent. And I think what we can think of is in the case of other types of autoimmune conditions where there's an infectious trigger. Um, when the immune system attacks our joints, we call it uh, rheumatoid arthritis. When the immune system attacks the thyroid, we call it Hashimoto's. When it attacks the pancreas, we call it diabetes type 1. But we haven't really considered that the immune system can actually attack parts of the brain and produce these different types of functions. So Getting medical awareness is really the next growing step, and it's an important one for um, proper diagnosis and treatment. 
Well, you mentioned this is often misdiagnosed, but I'm wondering for some of these conditions that it is mistakenly seen as, there are some powerful drugs that are used. Does what is the impact on on children who are misdiagnosed and, and given, in essence, the wrong medication? Right, right. So we we typically see in medicine what happens is the symptoms will be treated. So if it's some type of neuropsychiatric symptom, they'll usually get some type of neuropsychiatric drug. But with that, we also know that there are side effects. And so often you'll see many of these children on different types of neuropsych drugs. Uh, in some cases, in these severe critical situations, um, they're really incapacitated or even in institutionalized. And so, yes, this is a, an important part because lifelong treatment of symptoms versus finding the underlying root issue and treating that um, would be a really a paradigm shift in medicine. And, and for our company, which is based on this research, our goal is to forever change how mental disorders are diagnosed and treated forever. And because we believe that there's such a prevalence of these types of symptoms, but most of it has been treated symptomatically. Your company, Moleculara Labs, offers the only diagnostic available today for, for PANS and PANDAS, the Cunningham panel, which is yes, named for your co-founder. in fact, we, we test for five different uh, autoimmune antibodies that are directed against these different brain proteins. And, and the test utility is actually includes um, many of these children who were diagnosed as autistic or ADD, ADHD, um, because the constellation of symptoms actually transcends these different types of diagnoses. So although it has been used and is using for pandas and pans, um, we have about a third of our patients who come to us who have had diagnosis of autism and or ADHD or ADD. Um, so we, we find that it is just a growing um, uh, a very large population uh, of children and now about a third of them that come to us are adults. Well, PANS and PANDAS are considered separate disorders. Does your diagnostic distinguish between the two? No, and actually the reason PANS came about is because if you uh, remember on the S for PANDAS, it stands for strep. And what's now known is that many of um, these symptoms can also be uh, caused or be triggered by influenza. Uh, Coxsackie virus, uh, other types of infections such as Lyme, and so therefore the nomenclature was changed to include a broader population of infectious organisms, but same symptoms um, and, and just a different name. And to what extent has the test been validated and, and is there reimbursement for this? Yes, and that's very important because usages of anything um, you want to see validation and clinical utility and reimbursement. Um, it has been uh, clinically tested and in conjunction with the National Institute of Mental Health and then clinical studies here in Oklahoma. Um, and we're actually doing ongoing studies um, with many uh, physicians who are actually using the test. The reimbursement, at least currently, um, is fairly good considering in the medical community so we bill on behalf of our uh, for our patients so that they can get reimbursed. Um, but the but the good thing is once they're properly diagnosed, we have great success stories of these kids um, getting well and going back to normal life. One of the 
issues we faced with psychiatric disorders is the lack of objective diagnostics and the absence of these has been a, a fairly subjective process. Does this suggest anything about the direction we're moving with diagnostics or does it suggest that PANS and PANDA are not psychiatric disorders? Well, yes. And so, you know, you touched on something where if you look at the sort of our health system, you know, in the U.S., we spend, what is it, 16, 17% of our GDP on healthcare. And only about um, 2% of all healthcare costs are borne by diagnostics or actually testing. But it directs about 90% of all the treatments. So it is very important that we come up with better, more accurate, and directed uh, diagnostics so that we can direct treatment towards that. And in fact, companion diagnostics, you're seeing more and more of those directed specifically for personalized medicine or precision medicine. And uh, these are all the important movements in how both diagnostic therapeutics will work together. Are are there treatments available for PANS and PANDA? When a correct diagnosis occurs, what, what treatments are used? Yes. And so instead of the neuropsychiatric drugs, these patients then are used immune modulators because if you think about it, um, the underlying uh, trigger is an infection. If the infection is gone, or if it isn't, you'll be using anti-infectives. And in many cases, we see just dramatic changes just using that. If it's a bacteria, antibiotics, the virus, antivirals, the issue is that many times these infections are subclinical or occult. Once that's taken care of, if the patient still is symptomatic, then you'll use uh, physicians will treat with immune modulators. And these include things like intravenous immunoglobulin, plasmapheresis, uh, steroids, um, to actually uh, reset, so to speak, the immune system. And if this is an autoimmune condition, are are people subject to flares and recurrence, or is this something that, once it's treated, goes away? Yes, and that can happen because the underlying uh, cell under here is the B cell, which is a lifelong cell. The B B cell lives basically our entire life, which is why we get smallpox vaccine once and measles. But they're not always producing a whole bunch of antibodies. And so... The goal is actually to get them under control, and that does happen with these immune modulators. There can be flare-ups, and typically sometimes we see these in some children when they get another infection of that type or a severe one. However, once their immune system is properly under control, um, we see that these children, regardless of the number of infections, that they, they don't reoccur. How how well understood are these conditions today, and, and what needs to be done to get kids correctly diagnosed? Yeah, part of it is awareness, and that's happening with a lot of patient advocacy groups. And in fact, we just had an article published about a parent and her child who had been suffering for many years and thinking maybe it was autism. Um, she just sent us a report that was published. He's in straight A's. He was tested and treated. Um, and, and so the second part, though, is physician awareness, uh, because if you think about it, medicine is not an early adopter, rightly so. And so the third is really understanding of how to treat 
And so there's a consortium of physicians around the country uh, who are working on this. And in fact, they're centers of excellence uh, specifically for PANDAS and PANDAS at Stanford, uh, one starting up in Georgetown, another one in, in uh, Arizona. And so it's a growing awareness um, that these mental conditions may not be just bad parenting, and they may not be really mental disorders, so to speak, but something of a biological origin. Craig Shimasaki, co-founder, president, and CEO of Molecular Labs. Craig, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Danny. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.